1: The first thing you do when you start a band is talk about your influences. That's how you figure out what kind of band you want to be. So, who do you like? Blondie.
2: Christina Aguilera.
1: Who? No. Come on. What? You. Shortstop.
0: Puff Daddy.
1: Wrong. Billy. Liza Minnelli? What are you... You guys! This project is called Rock Band. I'm talking about bands that rock... Led Zeppelin! Don't tell me you guys have never gotten the lead out. Jimmy Page, Robert Plant? Ring any bells? What about Sabbath? ACDC? Motorhead? Oh, what are they teaching this place? (laughs)
2: Everybody. This is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. I open up with that little clip from the School of Rock. And uh I'll tell you the story in a second. I followed it with the music for How Do You Like Me Now from Toby Keith, which you'll understand a little bit farther in, because I'm thinking Trump is saying that to everybody as they're starting to, as I heard this morning on the radio them talking about. Trump getting a Nobel Peace, Peace Prize saying for uh, what's going on in the world right now and you know what uh so uh we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more detail of that in a few minutes but you know what uh I had an episode at the, at the office where we're talking about something and uh I don't I'm trying to remember I am just talking to my team and I made a comment and I made a comment about um, about uh being deaf dumb and blind or or uh something along those lines and I said that's Tommy. And they go, Yeah? You guys have never heard of Tommy? You know the Who rock opera? And they go, hmm, heard of Tommy Boy. And you know, my teammate my teammates range from um, mid-40s down to twenty-seven or something. I go, You guys never heard of Tommy? You haven't heard of Pinball Wizard? And I pulled out the my iTunes and I said, and I started to play Pinball Wizard, and they go. Uh-oh, don't recognize it. And I go, "You never heard this song?" They go, "We don't listen to Elton John." How could you not have ever heard The Pinball Wizard? It plays everywhere for years. I mean, I know it doesn't play as much as it used to, but <clears throat> Then I made a then I made a comment, I made a little joke from uh, Steve Martin's Let's, Let's Get Small album, which was I think about 1978. But Steve Martin is everywhere. You guys don't know Steve Martin? Uh is he the white-haired guy? Naked gun? Uh, no, that's Leslie Nielsen. He's the other white-haired guy. He's playing trains and all. Anyway. So I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You know what? What do they teach you here? You know what? If you guys think your kids know what you think, if you think your kids know how about the things that you like, they don't. My kids do. I know my uh, my kids have a... I, t- I know my daughter has a playlist. Playlist It's called a dad playlist. So that's the songs that they listen to while while uh, they had to be in my car when they were little kids. So that's the dad playlist. If we're around dad, this is the playlist that we play on our iTunes. So you got to talk. Got to talk to your kids, guys. So I'm going to talk, talk about a lot of exciting stuff today. And in the second half, I have the powerhouse, Travis Allen, going to be talking to us about his run for the seat in the governor's mansion of California. And if you guys have never heard Travis Allen, don't, don't, not listen to the whole show. You need to hear this because this guy needs to be in the governor's mansion and he's, he, and he's climbing in the polls fast and we all got to get out and vote in June 5th. But before I go on, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman. President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your f- direct mortgage lender based here in Southern California. Offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities, some of them might be in your own home, uh, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, and last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone... Because you don't want me to recognize your voice if we run into each other until you know that we're friends. Uh, Go to WCCLoans.com, www.wccloans.com, and uh, click on uh, Loan Center, then click on Apply Now. Give me as much information as you want to give. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. Eric, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, or Aaron Fredericks, and we will help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. And uh, lastly, if you want to, if you want to hear anything repeated on the show, like you want to spread it around so all your friends that have never heard Travis Allen can know who they need to vote for in June, not November. We need him on the. We need the votes in June, June fifth. Uh, go to edhoffman.net. E d h o f f m a n dot net. Click on the podcast page. You'll hear, you'll have, uh, this show of several past shows that you can, uh, listen to and download on your, uh, on demand whenever you want to hear it. You can also hear the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it download to your, uh, to your uh, phone or your whatever device you listen to, your computer, listen to it anytime you want. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long and like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. And, and last, if you want to leave some comments, the listener hotline, eight, five, five, six, four, zero. 2092. Got a really good comment last week, but it was just a little garbled. He was talking on a cell phone with a with a bad signal. Um, but I think he'll be that guy will be happy um when he hears the second half of this uh show. But uh, believe me, I hear all I hear all your comments and uh I try to get some in here and there, but I keep uh, running out of time. So anyway, uh let's talk about what's going on because I'm running out of time as we speak for everything I have to get in. There's a lot of stuff happening in foreign relations this week. Democrats are in serious denial about how well Trump is handling it. Let's start with President's comments on the upcoming uh, meeting with Kim Jong Un. Although we don't have a date for Trump's meeting with the North Korean dictator, we know that Kim will uh, Kim met, met with South Korean Kim met with. they day ahead of us. Uh, with South Korean President Moon Jae for uh, for a historic summit. Uh, that began Friday, which was Thursday night for us. Because he said Thursday night, I was watching it on TV. Yo, yeah, well, that was Friday morning for them. Uh, the meeting is being held in the joint security area, a part of the demilitarized zone, which is uh, which is a little area on the border between North Korea and South Korea where no one's allowed to to have a military. You're not allowed to kill each other in there. In advance of the both meetings, Kim Jong Un made a series series of concessions, suspending all ballistic missile testing the closure of a nuclear development site, and even dropping his demand for U.S. troops to leave the Korean Peninsula. These are all good, sh- good things which prompted President Trump to make this comment.
1: Kim Jong-un, was uh, he really has been uh, very open and I think very honorable from everything we're seeing. Now, a lot of promises have been made by North Korea over the years, but uh, they've never been in this position.
2: Uh yeah, and we'll see. And I and I know that Trump and as we'll hear here later, you know, he says he's doing this. We don't know for sure he's doing it, and you know, he hasn't he hasn't been the uh utmost honorable in doing anything up until now. But maybe he's maybe he's getting the message, you know. It like I said, uh Joey Jones, my friend that's uh that many of you have heard, you know exactly who he is. You see him on on Fox News all the time. And uh he said consistency is is uh is the most is more important than rhetoric, and that uh the way that Trump has been consistent on his policies with Syria sends a big message throughout the world. Probably the most war deterring uh, message he could send, and uh, significant and uh, specifically to North Korea and Iran that hey, we're not putting up with with your bull anymore. So uh so that so Trump's comments didn't sit well with uh, CNN or MSNBC. MS, Let's play this little montage.
0: He said that President Kim, that North North Korea's dictator Kim Jong Un has acted very has been very open and very honorable in how they have been dealing with I guess planning out their their meeting to come. What do you make of that? That's it's quite a strong adjective to use for a dictator of a, of a nation that imprisons its people. He talked about how great Kim Jong Un okay, is being. You
1: must talk about this just for a moment. Yeah. Did he call him a great leader?
0: What, he didn't. I don't know if he used the word great leader. Honorable. He said honorable. Honorable. Yeah. And I. I and open. It, it him is honorable so... and open. I don't know if you can. It, it, it just in real terms, whether you can ever call him open. If any other president, a Democrat or Republican, had used such words, Donald Trump would have been the first person to say, it's outrageous to say that a dictator to someone who uh, represses all the human rights in his country that lets his people starve, uh, that takes Americans as hostage is open and honorable. When I heard the word honorable, I thought of the Otto Warmbier's parents, who sat right. in these two seats with me just so many months ago, talking about their son who was tortured in North Korea. How was Kim jong Honorable.
1: There's nothing honorable about Kim Jong Un. He's a sociopath.
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know what? Hey, morons! He didn't say he's honorable. He says he's being honorable. You know, you can have a moment of making decisions that are honorable. He didn't say he was honorable, and uh, you know what? And you know what? Let's let's talk about Otto Warmbier. Otto Warmbier got arrested for pulling a uh, pulling a campaign poster off a wall inside a hotel. And got caught on uh, caught on a, on a security camera. Otto Warmbier shouldn't have been in North Korea for one thing. I don't know about Otto Warmbier's parents. What were you thinking going in, letting letting anybody go to North Korea, especially a, a teenager? And then he got sentenced to life for whatever he was doing, and they abused him, and they they basically killed him. They killed him. But you know why would they why would they feel like they could do that? Maybe because our former president. Flacidio appendage Obama uh maybe didn't scare him didn't make him think there was going to be any retaliation maybe there was nothing there you know what hey we're not afraid of the, the the United States they're not going to do anything maybe there's a cha- change in uh Kim Jong Un who's only like about 32 or 33 years old maybe he's going do I want to live live a nice life ah, maybe i just need to stop this stuff cuz i'm going to get i'm going to get uh uh, Rambo come in here oh maybe some of you guys don't know who Rambo is uh, well, I'm going to get a bomb dropped on me to kill me because uh, the world's tired of putting up with my crap I don't know it's just what I think that's what I think and then and then uh, Friday morning Angela Merkel was uh, is visiting the White House and uh, after them having a joint press conference uh, Trump commented on a on uh, Trump commented on a question about what's going on in North Korea and that's the summit between South Korea and North Korea. Here's Trump's uh, comments.
1: The North Korean problem. And uh, I think you're seeing that a lot of very positive things are happening. Oh, I don't think he's playing. No, I don't think he's playing. And, and, you know, it's never gone like this. It's never gone this far. I don't think it's ever had this enthusiasm for somebody, for them wanting to make a deal. And yeah, I agree. The United States has been played beautifully like a fiddle uh, because you had a different kind of a leader. We're not going to be played. Okay we 're going to hopefully make a deal if we don 't that 's fine. Uh, the United States in the past was played like a fiddle, money going in, and nobody knew what was happening. Uh, the day after an arrangement was made, if you call it a deal, I doubt it, but a, an arrangement was made. Uh, they start with the nuclear weapons again that 's not happening to us
2: next there's next there's uh, you know hey he 's not going to let us be played and that's exactly what happened in the last in the last eight years, and probably farther farther back than that, because uh, we have that clip from uh, Clinton saying, "Hey, we're gonna this is gonna shut the." The nuclear, uh, the nuclear agreement with North Korea is gonna, I played it a long time ago, but, uh, let's get through some more of this stuff that happened this week. Next, there was French President Emmanuel Macron, his official state visit. Macron's visit is not merely ceremonial. Throughout the week, the two presidents have been talking regarding America's role in the Iran nuclear deal. By May 12th, Trump must decide whether to waive or restore the sanctions on Iran. So basically, he's got till the, till, he's got two weeks, two weeks to make a decision whether we, basically cancel the deal but every time they're in front of the cameras we're seeing them shake hands hold hands hug pat each other on the back and even kiss on the cheek um you know what i have i know people that are really touchy-feely i'm not really a touchy-feely guy um but some people are just like that and you just gotta warm up a little bit when you're around those kind of people and i think they do that a lot in france here's one of their heartening exchanges from this week
3: we have a lot of work to be done together But I'm very, very
2: honored and very pleased because whatever the context could be, this relationship is stronger than the events. And on top of it, we have a, an excellent personal relationship. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you. It's a great
1: honor, great honor that you're here. But we do have a very special relationship. In fact, I'll get that little piece of piece. For... Be... We have to make him perfect. He is
2: perfect. Yeah, it was a it was a little weird, but you know what? (sighs) You know the French people aren't known. If if you listen to Dennis Prager, you know the French people aren't really the battle hardened uh, make my make my uh, make my put my place in the world uh, kind of people. They're like, hey, uh, give me that day off so I can just relax. When do I get to retire? When? How much vacation time do I get? So uh it sounds like uh Macron, from some of his comments, is uh trying to turn that image around a little bit, but they're still a little touchy-feely. The media doesn't quite know how to handle this sophisticated French president having respect for Donald Trump. So they've come up with a narrative that Macron's behavior is insincere. In the Washington Post story, they said Trump and Macron can't stop touching, etha- touching each other. The paper says Trump and Macron's posturing for the cameras is noticeably awkward and the way they reach out and clasp each other seems passive aggressive hey you know what I would I would act how I need to act around certain people but you know what holding hands with the guys would be awkward for me you know if that's if that makes him feel like that okay so be it but you know you gotta you gotta make them feel comfortable here in Washington D.C. So if it looks a little awkward, hey, I'm sure Trump isn't used to doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, hey, he's doing what he's got to do to deal with foreign policy. The New Yorker says, Macron is seducing Trump to change his viewpoint on Iran nuclear deal. I don't know that. And, of course, CNN wants everyone to know Trump isn't sincere on the CNN headline this week, which was, After the kisses and hugs, Macron rips Trumpism. Well, he is trying to encourage him to not pull out of... uh, pull out of uh, Syria that he need that we need to stay there. And I kind of, uh, I kind I kind of agree. And I think Trump will follow whatever uh, uh, general Mattis says, our secretary of defense, even though he says, Hey, we should be out of there. Everyone else should take this over. I agree with that, but I also agree that pulling out of Iraq was a disaster. We should still stay involved. Um, then there's the joint press conference on Tuesday, despite the fact that reporters were supposed to be asking the two presidents about their negotiations, ABC 's Jonathan Carl had asked this instead,
1: Mr. President, what about michael Cohen are, are, are you considering a thank, thank you very much Cohen? stupid question go ahead any other uh, anybody else please?
2: you know what uh Jonathan Carl asked if uh, if uh, what about Michael Cohen are you going to pardon him and uh and you know Trump just blew him off blew him off didn't just ignore him he blew him off, and you know what after seeing how Trump is handling our foreign relations i have to say i have to say hey trump should say this to my sister renee in pennsylvania who told ta- my sister renee who who texts me the morning after he got elected well now we have a leader who, who in the white house that doesn't have any experience in foreign foreign relations and foreign policy and it's going to be a disaster throughout the world so i think trump would say this How do you like now, now am on my way you still think i Anyway, next there's the po- the politics of real estate. Last week we were uh, supposed to be outraged that Fox News Sean Hannity is in the mysterious was the mysterious third client of the Trump lawyer Michael Cohen. This week we're supposed to be outraged because he has investments that involve HUD homes. Oh my God, the guy makes uh, I don't know thirty million dollars a year and he actually invests his money. That's not fair. So the UK guardian was the first to report that Handy's $90 million in real estate investments includes two foreclosed Georgia apartment buildings that were purchased for 17.9 million. So let's see 17.9 million. So HUD FHA has programs to build housing, multiple, multiple families. You don't think about them as commercial lenders, but in certain areas they'll, they'll, they'll finance commercial lending. Commercial lending for multifamily, and it's usually low-income low-income housing. So they foreclosed on it. Somebody didn't make the payments. Somebody needs to buy it. What's the problem? Because the Department of Housing and Urban Development increased the value of the buildings by $5 million, and HUD director Ben Carson is both a friend of Hannity's and a Trump appointee, this is supposed to be some kind of scandal. Oh, my God. Hannity did not disclose the fact while interviewing and praising HUD Secretary Ben Carson on his primetime program last year. The Guardian omin- ominously reported. Here are some experts discussing it on CNBC's Power Lunch.
1: Presumably, what, what is the name of the uh, the company? Hensler Finan- Financial. Hensler financial, financial is the one that is selecting the properties and doing the deals with capital supplied we by... Would- by Hannity, and by, lo-
0: by loans secured through HUD. We would assume so. And again, there, you look, he's very successful. He says he doesn't like investing in the stock market, so real estate is his investment. Makes $35 million a year or something and, like that. So all of that is totally fine. The question is whether this was disclosed to the right amount, both to the Fox audience and to the radio audience, and what else may be there what that was disclosed. Or should he have understood his investments better to know that he did need to disclose something. And has he been a
1: critic of HUD? Has he been a critic of the foreclosure crisis that the country went through uh, in the wake of the financial? He
0: was. He was a fierce critic of HUD. He was a fierce (coughs) critic of Obama, uh, criticizing the Obama administration for the number and amount of foreclosures that they presumably oversaw during that period while he was benefiting from that.
2: Hey, boneheads, you guys are morons. A critic of HUD? You know what? The foreclosure crisis had nothing to do with HUD. FHA never did a stated income loan. FHA never did a non-qualifying loan. FHA never did a no down payment loan. They never did. The crisis was caused by subprime loans. That was uh, uh, a product created by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and our friends Barney Frank and Christopher Dodd. Was he a critic of the foreclosure crisis? a critic of the foreclosure crisis. You don't make your payments. You don't get to, uh, you don't get to keep your house. And, uh, that HUD was oversight. Uh, the HUD had oversight on these houses. Guess what? People don't make their payments. They didn't make their payments because they couldn't make their payments because they financed into properties they couldn't afford. Amazing, amazing! I'm I'm almost out of time, but I will tell you about on top of on top of all this moronic stuff. Uh, Maxine Waters is pushing a, a a a foreclosure prevention program called the FHA Foreclosure Prevention Act 2018 to make it harder to foreclose on people that don't make their payments. How moronish is this, Maxine Waters? impeach forty five, impeach forty five. If you're stupid enough to listen to this lady, how stupid she is, that will get rid of uh, FHA, which is the easiest financing out there and the lowest down payment financing because nobody will buy those loans because they won't be able to foreclose when people don't make their payments, okay? If you want to make America great again, if you want to make California great again, those of you in L.A., vote this moron out of there. Maxine Waters is a, is a brainless idiot. So anyway, I'm out of time for this half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes commercials and uh, traffic, and we'll be right back when we'll talk to our next governor of California, Travis Allen. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk much about. Mortgage and financing and real estate on the radio because uh, you know I did I did a little bit in the first half, but uh, if you're looking for if it sounds like I think like you. And you're in the market, you need some uh, some new mortgage financing, some refinance for your house, a reverse mortgage, or you're looking to buy a house, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, 855-640-2020, that's 855-640-2020, or get us on the web at WCC Loans. So five weeks until the June 5th primary and two weeks until voting by mail begins. The California governor's race is heating up and things are looking good for Republicans. In a poll by UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies this week, two major Republican candidates in the race to succeed Jerry Brown are battling for second place to make November runoff behind the leading Democrat Gavin Newsom, the guy who uh, had an affair with his uh, campaign manager's uh, wife. I would say if uh, his campaign manager can't trust him, why would the state of California trust him? I know, but that's just me. I could be wrong. Uh, Both the Republicans are well ahead of the Democrat former uh, Los Angeles Mayor Antonio Villarogosa, who who dropped to 9% in the poll. And if you've seen him on the debates, he's kind of... uh Lascido Appendage. Um, so uh, one of those two Republican candidates for governor that uh, that is battling for second place is Mr. Travis Allen. He joins me now. Travis, welcome back to the main event.
3: Thank you so much. But let's be very clear. I'm not battling for second place, brother. We are on our way with a bullet to number one.
2: I, uh, I have no doubt. For those of you who haven't heard, Travis, this guy... When, when somebody said, this is the, the Trump for California, I, you know, I saw him, uh, I met him about a month ago and I'm a hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent on that, on that bandwagon. Travis, this is the second time you joined us on the show. The first time was with, uh, Scott McAfee, who was sitting in for me while I was out of town. But for those who are just starting to pay attention to the governor's race, tell us about your background in this, uh, you know, in the state assembly as, as well as your experience before and some of the positions you've taken while, while in the assembly.
3: Sure, sure. So, look, I was born in California, raised right here. Born in San Diego, raised about five minutes from the border in a little town called Chula Vista. Uh, started managing money in 1996, opened up my own company in 2001. I'm a certified financial planner, uh, and, and I live in Huntington Beach now. Absolutely love it here. Uh, Surf City, USA, as, as you might know. I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records, riding the biggest surfboard ever with, like, more people. I'm mean, got 66 people on one surfboard. So when I tell you I love California, I love California, but the problem is, look, just like everybody that I'm guessing is listening to us right now, I know people that have left the state, but for me it's personal. My parents left the state. They now live in Oregon. My brother left the state. He now lives in Arizona. My best friend left the state. He's in Texas, where he doubled the size of his house, doubled the size of his business, and pays no state income tax. All those clients in my company, they started here in California. They're now in 22 different states. Around the nation because their families left, their friends left, their jobs left, and their companies left. And this is the problem California used to be the greatest state in the nation. We had the best roads, the best schools, the best water system in the whole country. 39 of the last 40 years, the California Democrats have controlled the state legislature, both houses. They've run us into the ground. Jerry Brown and his family have controlled the governor's seat for 24 of the last 50 years, and they have run our state into the ground. We now have the nation's highest poverty rate, where one in five Californians lives below the poverty line. We have the nation's highest homelessness, where it grew by 13.7% last year, and I guarantee you, you see people sleeping on the sidewalks, under our bridges and the side of our roads every single day. And we know that all these crazy laws of the the Democrats, whether the soft on crime laws, the transgender bathroom bills, the law that makes knowing transmission of AIDS, HIV, a misdemeanor now, not just not, not a felony. We know the Democrats have gone too far. And now what they want to tell us is they're going to raise our gas taxes without our approval. And that we're going to have open borders and this illegal sanctuary state. I will tell you right now, not in my state. I got elected in 2012 to the California State Assembly to fight back. I have a 100 percent vote record from every organization you care about, all the anti-tax groups, all the pro-business groups, an A and an A plus from the NRA and the Firearms Policy Coalition. I am completely pro-life, get a zero percent from Planned Parenthood. But the thing is, is at a state assemblyman, I can't beat the Democrats because there's too many of them In the legislature, the only way to truly change the state and to take back California is as your next governor, and that's exactly what I'm going to be, and that's exactly what we're going to do.
2: I'm I'm right behind you here. Uh, You were the first to propose repealing SB1, the gasoline tax that's costing Californians over $700 a year uh, in higher uh, vehicle registration fees. I think we got rid of some guy named, uh, Gray Davis a few years back when he, he did that. But apparently, uh, Jerry Brown is Teflon. And this is a good day to have you on the show because the petition for the signatures are being turned in. And as of Thursday, Republicans had collected at least 830,000 signatures to repeal the gas tax, which is more than 300,000 more than they were needed to put on the, on the repeat, to put the repeal on the ballot. Tell us what that says about how voters feel about the policies of Jerry Brown, Brown and Gavin Newsom.
3: It says very simply that Jerry Brown lied to us in 2010. When he got elected, he said no new taxes without voter approval. He lied. He bribed four legislators a billion dollars to pass the largest gas and gas tax increase and car registration tax increase that we've ever had in California. This is the price of gas going up 12 cents per gallon, 20 cents on diesel and the price of your car registration going up by up to $175 per year. We never voted on it. It is entirely wrong, and Californians don't agree with it. By the way, we don't even need this money to fix our roads. California already has plenty of money in the state budget to fix our roads and expand our freeways. We don't need this new tax. So I was the first one to write the repeal of the gas tax. I fought the attorney general for six months in court. And after we got stuck in court for so long, I joined my effort with the other effort. So there is only one effort now to repeal the gas tax. We have over 900,000 signatures gathered as of today. I've gathered thousands of myself. We have an army of tens of thousands of Californians up and down the state to fight this gas tax. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to go on your ballot in November. And the people of California are going to send a very clear message to Jerry Brown and the California Democrats. If you want to raise our taxes, you got to go through the people of California first, and we're going to tell you no.
2: Exactly, exactly. And people, when when they, they hit the vehicle registration, you know, it's they don't see it till for once a year. Or when it hits the, the gas pump, it's only twelve cents a gallon. So if you put ten gallons in, it's a buck twenty, you don't see it, but that adds up. That adds up, and it it makes a difference in in. I mean, it doesn't make a difference in my budget. But it makes a mix of difference in a lot of people, and that's most of the people in California. You also have a lot to say about Brown and Newsom sanctuary state law. What do you see as the short- and long-term impacts of making California a sanctuary state for illegal immigrants?
3: This thing is absolutely ridiculous. It's unconstitutional, and it's dangerous. The, the sanctuary state law this is not just talking about illegal immigration. What it is is that it says that people that have come here illegally that are committing crimes while they are here will now be sheltered with your tax dollars. It is wrong. It is unconstitutional. It is dangerous. All you need to know is, is there's a simple story of Kate Steinle. This was a beautiful young girl walking down the pier with her father in San Francisco. She was shot in the back by a guy who'd been deported five times already. There was a seven-time felon that had been released just three months before by the sheriff of San Francisco, because it was a sanctuary city under the policies of Gavin Newsom and the California Democrats. Kate Steinle would still be alive today if that person had ever been released. That person had no business being in our state in the first place. And now this illegal sanctuary state law of Jerry Brown and the California Democrats is across the entire state. So this makes every single Californian less safe. I have fought the sanctuary state from the very beginning. Last year, I wrote legislation to defund the, the whole sanctuary state. In January of this year, I was on Tucker Carlson on Fox News, and I have heard the president watch a little bit of Tucker Carlson. So I called out on national news for the president to come to California and Jeff Sessions to come to California and sue the state of California. I am pleased to report that Jeff Sessions finally got the message. Last month, he came to California, and they are now suing California, but look, this is not enough because we the law is still in place. So I have vowed as the next governor of the state of California that if it's not repealed at the federal level, that I will reverse it in my first 100 days in office by calling a special election. And I'll tell you right now, we are going to make California safe again. We just gathered 35,000 petitions from over 300 cities in the state of California for your local city to also opt out. We have cities across Orange County and across California now. They're now opting out of this illegal sanctuary state. And I'm telling you, one way or another, we're going to reverse this policy.
2: So what's the deadline And you got on your uh, Join Travis Allen? Um, it's jointravisallen.com?
3: travis Allen com or find me on Facebook at join Travis Allen and the petitions are right there uh, to have your city opt out of the illegal sanctuary state like I said we just printed them all up we got over 35,000 signatures from people in over 300 cities across the state of California so if you want to join in go to jointravisallen.com right now find that petition it's it's down in a couple of the posts and sign up to have your city Tell Jerry Brown and the California Democrats that your city will opt out and will not be a sanctuary city.
2: And is there a deadline to get those signatures on that petition?
3: Uh, you got to do it in the next day or two because these we already printed up the first batch and they're going out this afternoon. So if you uh, if you want your city to opt out of the sanctuary state and you want to join our petition in the next day or two before this before this week's over. Get on to JoinTravisAllen.com. Get on to jointravisallen at Facebook and sign that petition, and we'll put you in the second round.
2: Yeah, for those of you that haven't done it, get on it right now. While while you're listening to the while you're listening in your car, pick up your phone while you're driving and go on go on your phone and do it. I, I did it. I I signed it uh, about a month ago. My wife and I signed it while we were walking the dog uh, on the do it, did it on our phones. And uh, you know if you want, I'm I you know I applaud the cities that are that are opting out. Uh, apparently Moreno Valley isn't, hasn't got smart enough yet because, uh, we get to get I- Ido Benzivi's, uh, uh, permission apparently to, uh, to get, have the led to have our city council do anything, but Hey, uh, we are the voice of the people guys. So get on that. Join Travis Allen.com. So you've been saying on the campaign trail in 2016, we made America great again. This year we make California great again. I'm holding an L.A. Times article piece from uh, this week that says, The California governor's race it's, has its own version of Trump. Let's not make the same mistake again. Hey, sc- Screw those Democrats. You know what? Uh, let's, not, let's not make the same mistake. And let's, right, let's make the right choice again. The writer says you're prop- propounding a myth when you say cutting taxes will somehow improve the state budget. And that you're being reckless and misleading by promising every Californian will have a green lawn and take long showers if they elect you as governor. Your response?
3: Look, you know, this is the most ringing endorsement I could possibly hope for. When the L.A. Times editorial board wants to say that I'm California's Trump, that put a smile on my face from ear to ear because you better believe it. I'm the only candidate in the entire race for governor that actually voted for and supported the Republican nominee for president, Donald J. Trump. There's another Republican in the race, a so-called Republican. He's what we call a rhino. This guy just moved here to California in 2011 as a permanent resident. He came from Chicago. His name's John Cox. He didn't even care enough to vote in our 2014 elections, so he's running for an office that he never even voted for. And when he did finally vote in 2016, he was a never-Trumper that supported a guy called Gary Johnson, who believes in open borders legalized drugs, legalized prostitution and oh yeah, he's pro-choice as well so I'll tell you right now, there's only one conservative in the race, there's only one guy that supported Trump proudly and with a smile on his face and that's Travis Allen, I'm the only guy too that believes we should actually secure the border and complete that wall this other guy, John Cox, flip-flops he tells uh, Spanish media one thing and then he tries to tell Republican groups another we don't need another establishment rhino Republican we need somebody that the LA Times editorial board hates, we need somebody that will actually clean house in california and take back our state remember we took back our country in 2016 in 2018 we take back our state
2: yeah i know uh i was reading some stuff on uh, john cox apparently he's he's run for uh election unsuccessfully about uh six or seven times never never been elected, oh my gosh never been elected Look, to it- anything
3: Never been elected. This guy ran for president of the United States, U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress, even county clerk recorder in Illinois, and lost every single time. I mean, this guy is, it defines a failed wannabe politician. It's, it's kind of funny. He's actually going around the state right now. He copies my campaign slogans. I come out with you know my, my new platform, whatever it happens to be, whether it's reverse the illegal sanctuary state, repeal the gas tax, and within a matter of weeks, He's parodying exactly what I'm saying up and down the state. This guy is a joke, but but it gets worse. Because you see, this guy in 2016, not only did he vote, was a never-Trumper, and refused to support the president, just 18 months ago, he gave money to a George Soros-affiliated PAC. This PAC supported... Five Democrats, all pro-choice, that attacked Republicans. We don't need somebody that's giving money to anybody that's affiliated with George Soros. We don't need somebody that refuses to support our president. We need a real Republican that actually has the vision and the conservative record to take back our, our state and send a message directly to Jerry Brown and the Bay Area liberal elites that have been running our state for far too long. That this is our state. We're the silent supermajority and we will be silent no longer. And I'll tell you one last thing too. For all these Democrats that think we can't win in California, you tell them that in 2014, Jerry Brown got 4.3 million votes to become governor. In 2016, Donald Trump just got 4.4 million votes in California. Literally, all we gotta do is turn out the Trump voters and Travis Allen will be your next governor of the state of California. And that's exactly what we're going to do.
2: Yeah. And I saw when uh, a month ago after I met you, I looked at the polls and I'm going, man, you're, you're, you're way behind Cox. And Cox is way behind, uh, uh, Newsom and Villa Villar Grossa. And, uh, and now, now yesterday, you're almost neck and neck with Cox. So people are actually starting to pay attention. I just assumed that no one paid attention. And, uh, that's, that would be the only reason. And, and, uh, you see the see the guy when I see you and cox and uh, and new well we never see Newsom show up to anything yet because he has nothing he has nothing to gain um, so you and Cox on stage there's there's not even there's not even a comparison Cox has no energy no no uh i don't know no he just doesn't have any commitment in his in his voice or the way he answers questions and uh, of course via Ragosa is uh, n- another uh he looks like somebody just punched him in the gut right before they answered. Well, I made some mistakes when I was a mayor of Los Angeles and I lost my family, and but I want to be your governor. You know what? I want I want someone that's got some got some spine, that's got some uh, some backbone, that has some commitment and some energy. And when we met you, it said, "Man, this is our guy. This is this is Trump for California." Let's go back to let's go back to the last question: um, cutting taxes. How does that how's how's that cutting taxes make California better?
3: You know, it's very simple. When Trump cut taxes across the country, we created over eight trillion dollars of new wealth in the United States. Unemployment across countries now the lowest it's ever been on record for Latinos and African-Americans. It's the lowest it's been overall since 2000, and jobless claims are the lowest since the year I was born in 1973. Let me tell you, this creates so much economic productivity when you cut taxes, because it puts more money back in everybody's pocket. Because listen, you know how to spend your money a heck of a lot better than the politicians in Washington, D.C., and the politicians in Sacramento. They're wasting your money. The more money we put back in your pocket, that's more money that you can do everything you want to with. You can pay your rent. You can pay your, you know, your, your mortgage. You can put food on your table. You can go out and do all the things that you love. The money belongs back in your pocket. And when we cut taxes, what happens? All of a sudden, businesses start hiring people more because they say, look, i got to pay less so I can expand my business. They, they create more jobs. More people are working. And for those people that are working, They have more money in their pocket, because every paycheck, they get more money. This is what we got to do in California. See, I'm an economist by trade, and the Democrats will try to tell you that the economy is like a pie, and it's fixed. It's always the same size. So if you take a bigger slice, that means less for them. I'll tell you right now that that pie never stays the same. It only grows or it shrinks, but it never stays the same. When you cut taxes, you increase the pie for everybody, which means that you get more And the government actually ends up with more tax revenue because, you see, all of us are willing to work harder because we keep more. So even though we're paying lower taxes, ultimately the government actually even makes more money, which means that everybody wins. So the bottom line is we pay far too much tax in California. We have the highest nation income tax, highest nation sales tax, and our corporate tax is among one of the highest in the country, as is our gas tax. Every single one of them must be cut. We've got to put more money back in your pocket where it belongs. When Jerry Brown was first elected governor in 2010, the California state budget was $86 billion. Today it stands at over $131 billion. That's an increase of over 50% or $45 billion of your tax money. This money belongs in your pocket Jerry Brown is wasting it on his bullet train to nowhere and his bloated government I'll tell you as your next governor of the state of California in my very first budget, I'm going to defund that high-speed rail and return all of the extra money back to you the California taxpayers where it belongs.
2: okay so two years ago two years ago or three years ago we had a we had we're experiencing a drought in California We all saw everybody come out and say, hey, don't water your lawn. Don't wash your car. Take shorter showers, and everybody turn their their nice green lawns into stupid rocks and uh, stuff. Yep. So they don't have, to, don't have to. I mean, I had one of my renters just stopped watering his lawn because the water was too expensive, and then the city city fined me for for uh, having uh having weeds in the yard. And I said, well, I got a renter there. Oh well, then we need a business license for that, and then I end up having to. I got a. Then I had to. Re landscape the thing complete with rocks with low. That's ridiculous. So now you're saying, hey, we're going to have green lawns and take long showers. Tell everybody what you're talking about there.
3: Let me tell you the truth. I've been elected since 2012. I have seen all of the tricks of the Democrats and all the lies. Jerry Brown is lying to the California people when he tells you there's not enough water. This, his whole mentality is a scarcity mentality. I will tell you right now, California has more of everything than it could possibly use in this generation and every generation to come. we got more natural resources, more water, more oil and gas, more timber, more minerals, more land than we could ever possibly use in this generation or for generations to come. They want to take it from you because that's how they keep you in control. This is a very simple solution. In California, we only use 50% of our water. 10% goes to all of us in the cities and and all the the personal consumption use. 40% goes to our incredible agriculture all through the Central Valley. But get this, 50% washes out into the Pacific Ocean completely unused every single year. All we got to do is store water when it rains. But you see, Jerry Brown won't do that because he wants you to have to come to Sacramento to beg them for more water. And this is why he told you to kill your front lawn, take shorter showers. If you see your neighbor washing his car on a Sunday afternoon, call the water company and get him a fine. i got news for Jerry Brown, and it's get the heck out of my shower. It's very simple. we got to complete the California State Water Project. That means we build new water storage up and down the state of California, above ground and below ground. We build projects like Sites Reservoir. Temperance Flats, Raising Shasta Dam, and we actually store the water when it rains. We also do stuff like desalination in San Diego and Huntington Beach. We got plenty of water. We just got to store it. And to give you an idea of the hypocrisy of Jerry Brown and the California Democrats, they passed a water bond in the middle of the drought from 2014 to 2017. I voted for it. Not one penny of this water bond was spent anywhere for new storage anywhere in the state of California. So when those rains finally came in 2017, They burst Oroville Dam, 188,000 Californians had to be evacuated, and every single drop of water that you saved, that I saved, that all the 39 million Californians saved from 2014 to 2017, every time you turned off your tap, every drop you saved got wasted. It all washed out under the Golden Gate Bridge, not one time over, over 10 times over. Jerry Brown played all of us for a fool. And I'll tell you right now, it ends right here. We're going to build water storage. When it rains in California, we're going to store it. And I'll tell you, we're going to have plenty of water, not only to flood the Central Valley, but to give you nice, long showers, and you better believe it, green lawns across California. It's our water. It belongs to us. We just got to build water storage and store it when it rains.
2: Hey, you know what? We're California. We have to have clean cars because we're about our cars. We have to have we have to have clean hair. We have to wash our hair, and we have to uh, have green lawns because you know if you want you want dirt for your front yard, that's uh, Kansas. So uh, anyway, you're one of the two Republicans in the race that say there is a silent majority that will back any Republican who makes it in November runoff against Gavin Newsom. If that ends up being you. What will your message be to the uninformed voters who are used to checking the box by the first name they recognize on the ballot?
3: You better believe it. So let, let's be very clear. Um, I am the only person that said that there is a silent supermajority in California and, and then I was copied by this this rhino john cox i mean this is this is the depth of of how pathetic his behavior here is in California. This guy's trying to bring Chicago politics to California, and we're not having any of it. I will tell you right now that not only do we win in June, we win in November, and the way we win is very simply it's exactly as Ronald Reagan said it is peace through strength. If you're not following that already, go online right now, go to join Travis Allen on Facebook. And follow me. I have almost half a million people following me every single day, reaching about four million people a week on a good week, telling you everything that we're doing to fight the Democrats and to win. And the message that we that say very clearly to everybody, doesn't matter whether I'm talking to Democrats, Republicans, you know, what ethnicity somebody is, how much money you make, North the state, South the state, it's the same message because the truth doesn't change. And the answer is this. Jerry Brown and the California Democrats have run the state into the ground. You don't need to pay attention to politics to know that you're stuck in traffic because it's the worst in the nation traffic with the second worst in the nation roads. You don't need to pay attention to politics to know that California charges the most tax of any state across the nation, and it's not right because they're stealing your money. You don't got to follow politics to know that an open border And all of this illegal immigration and this dangerous sanctuary state are all wrong, and they got to be stopped. I will tell you right now that those three issues right there, repealing the gas tax, reversing the illegal sanctuary state, and cleaning up our streets in California, these resonate with every single California, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or just care about football. This is how we win, because I'll tell you, Gavin Newsom is the former mayor of San Francisco – on the streets of San Francisco, they got twenty-two thousand intravenous drug users every single day shooting up on their streets. It's so bad they're going to open up two—not just one, but two—heroin injection centers in their city. There's maps so you know maps of human waste, so you know which streets are safe to walk on and which streets you should avoid. Kids are going to school walking over hypodermic needles on the sidewalks, and there's so much so much glass on the sidewalks it looks like you're walking on diamonds because they had thirty-one thousand car break-ins last year and less. Than 2% of those criminals will ever get caught. This is San Francisco under the California Democrats. This is San Francisco under Gavin Newsom. We do not want our state looking like the streets of San Francisco. We do not want our state looking like the streets of Los Angeles with 58,000 homeless people and it looks like a third world war zone thanks to Tony Viragoza and all the California Democrats. This is our state. It belongs to us. This is a government of the people. By the people, for the people. In 2016, we took back our country with a very simple message of American exceptionalism, leading from the front, and knowing that we are the greatest country in the world. I'll tell you right now, in 2018, California regains its status as the greatest state in the nation when we elect a Republican governor, Travis Allen. I'll tell you right now, right here on the radio, you heard it here first. Join me at Joint Travis Allen online at jointtravisallen.com. Join Travis L on Facebook. I got 40,000 volunteers. I have every single Trump supporter across California because they know there is only one person that supports and voted for the president of the United States. And I'll tell you right now, there's more of us than there are of them. There's more of us that believe in common sense than there are of these California Democrats who have been led down the road by these Bay Area liberal elites. It's our state. We're going to take it back right here, right now. Join me. And let's take back California.
2: Hey, if you if you haven't uh, seen Travis Allen in person, go to join it, Travis Allen on Facebook. He po- and follow him. He posts his, where he's going to be. Get a chance to meet Travis in person. He stands. He hangs around after the events and shakes everybody's hands. This guy is who we need in the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. Travis, we'll have you on. We'll have you on again closer to the closer to the primary, and we'll talk to you soon uh, in regarding some uh, fundraising
3: you better believe it thanks so much everybody and remember this is our state it belongs to us we just got to stand up and fight and when we fight we fight to win and that's exactly what we're going to do all
2: right i'm all out of time for this episode of the main event guys thanks for listening my name's ed hoffman and i'll be back again with you next week